Welcome to the Fishy Foods Podcast. With your host, Big Bop and Big Rob. If you're a fan of tournament bass fishing, you've come to the right place. We'll discuss upcoming tournaments, the latest and greatest in equipment and techniques, as well as host professional and up-and-coming anglers. Let's dive right in. Fishing Fools Podcast with your hosts, Joey Stein, a.k.a. the Big Bopper, Big Bopper. and Rob DuPont, a.k.a. Cal. What we got today, Joey? We had Lucas Ragusa from yeah. the Louisiana Sportsman Coalition. I tell you what, that guy sure is passionate about Ooh, his job, man. man. And I, I don't know if I want want to try to fill his shoes man he's very passionate and you can tell that is definitely something that uh his life's work is going to be that yeah, I, we encourage everyone to uh join the sportsman coalition it's 49 dollars a year you can do all automatic renewal every year but man that guy sure is passionate we sure do thank him and all the coalition uh what they're doing for us I appreciate you coming on, man. I really do. Uh, this is a big, uh, big deal in the state. And uh, I think the first thing we need to start off with is, is HB4. Tell us about it. All right. Well, <clears throat> um, as I'm sure most people are well uh, aware, HB4 did not make it out of the Senate committee. Uh, but what HB4 was... Um, HB4 was trying to connect existing law um, and having the legislatures uh, legislators um, help us make that connection. So HB4 derived from uh, the two um, uh, angles that that we see. Uh, one of which was uh, Article 450, and Article 450 talks about um, public-owned things. Uh, one of the examples that they talk about uh, to describe public-owned things is the free-flowing water, um, you know, of the, the state. So um, the way that we interpret that, the way that we read that is <clears throat> any tidally influenced water. So if the water flows in and the water flows out, um, that should be public water. And it is what we consider to be public water. Uh, the funny thing about this is that the uh, water bottom claimants, um, I would say landowners, but because we're not talking about land, I'm going to call them water bottom claimants, um, um, don't even argue that fact. They understand that the water belongs to the state. Um, but the way that the, uh, the laws were interpreted in these lawsuits in the 50s, excuse me, in the 70s, were that even though the water belonged to the state, therefore belong to the citizens, they were able to restrict access into those waterways. And so, you know, there were, you know, maybe four or five areas that were gated off, you know, throughout the 70s and 80s. I remember as a kid, um, you know, though my stomping grounds as a kid were, you know, the Chaffalot Basin, Lake Verrett, Bay Natchez, um, you know, the, the areas that we consider, uh, you know, to be home, um, I didn't see a lot of that. You saw a lot of that, you, you know, start seeing more of that in the 90s. 
Uh, I know the what I call the two canal um, is is blocked off. Uh, you know, going Bell River towards Lake Floyd. Um, and then, you know, as you got past that and started getting towards Amelia, you would start to pick up a few more gates here and there. Um, I, I never spent a lot of time in Bayou Black, and, and Bayou Black is the, the obvious epicenter of this thing. But this is going on all across the state uh, in the coastal zone. Um, right, stop you know, for a second, Lucas. I just wanted to let you know that I was a guide for 10 years down in Duwan, and I encountered okay. a lot. The, the, I had a lot of encounters. In that area, over yeah. the last ten years. Well, and and unfortunately, it's just going to compress and get worse, uh, in my opinion. Um, I've been with the coalition now five years. Uh, when I started with the coalition, um, Derek Hudnall and I um, had kind of, you know, uh, and this kind of backs up talking about the founding of the coalition. Coalition was founded in 2016. Uh, Sean Robbins, who is a a board member, uh, the former president, and uh, Stephen Rockwaller uh, and several other guys uh, got together. And then uh, I think it was June or July of 2016, they they started the coalition. Yeah. Uh, 16 was a rough one for the Baton Rouge area folks because of the, the flood. And so they didn't get a lot of traction. In 2017, um, at this point, I'm standing back. And I'm watching what's going on because obviously I'm concerned about it, but I had kind of made the switch and started fishing more regionally as opposed to fishing at home. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't top of mind for me, but it was still one of these things where I, I felt like it was, you know, wrong, obviously, but I wanted to see what the coalition did and, and you know, how they reacted um, and exactly what they were about. Because it's one of the problems with any kind of grassroots organization is that you don't know um who's doing what or if anything is being done um so in 2017 i joined uh, i actually joined at the louisiana sportsman show um and i won the door prize um it was a, a, a badass pin uh saltwater reel um you know that I, I i don't have much use for but when i go speckle trout fishing i still use it and um i watched throughout 17 what they were going through uh, at that time, uh, I think House Bill 391 was introduced. Right. Uh, 391 was brought in by a gentleman um, from, I believe, the either the Slidell or North Shore area, um, uh, Kevin uh, Pearson. And right. so Pearson brought that bill, and it it really surprised everybody that they were able to get that bill out of set out of uh, committee. But you know, there, there's three steps to it. Uh, in case people don't know. You have the committee portion of session, which is whether or not they want to let the entire delegate hear uh, what it is that we're trying to change. So that's step one. Once you get it from there, then it goes to the House, which is the House of Representatives. If the House of Representatives passes it, then it goes to the floor of the Senate. They debate it, and they that whether or not it passes or fails is decided there, and that is whether or not it makes it to the governor's desk for signing. Um, so 391... Um, we had a lot of support. A lot of people showed up. I think we had maybe 50 kids uh, from high school bass fishing associations throughout the I southern part that. showed up. And it, it literally scared the shit, I'm assuming I can say that here, of mm -hmm. the, the legislative body. And so uh, they started extending olive branches at that point. 
in 2018, Derek and I both kind of decided, look, um, we need to get involved. And so our entire premise and purpose behind getting involved was to try and be arms of the coalition that were, um, you know, involved in a higher level of fishing, maybe had, a, a, you know, a, um, a better following and could get people to engage behind the issue. Well, um, however it worked out, um, I wound up being the president. And um, it wasn't it wasn't something that I was actually after. It's really, you know, um, quite a burden to have to try and put all this together. But, you know, I'm kind of of the belief that if God puts you in a position to do something and you're able to, you should try. And so um, that's the reason, you know, that I'm the one speaking to you today, because it just kind of ended here. Um, you know, with me, but the, the coalition has one mission and one mission only. There are tons of things that we would like to see done. There's or, other organizations out there um, that were supposed to do some of these things that have not. Um, there's a major organization that squarely stands with the landowners or the water bottom claimants in this issue. Um, and it's unfortunate because they do a lot of really good work uh, throughout the coastal zone in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. But I, I feel like they let us down here. And so our only goal, our only mission is this, this water access deal. Um, uh, but to, to get back to HB4, so HB4, <clears throat> Article 450 says that the, the water belongs to the citizens of the state, uh, belongs to the state. Um, we cannot find... Uh, navigability defined in Louisiana civil code or in any Louisiana code. So they won't tell us what they deem to be navigable. In the other 49 states, if you can float it, you can boat it. So if I can get a boat into a crack and that's not flood related, okay, that's one thing that, um, you know, kind of gets construed and, and um, you know, uh, some of the legislative body on last Wednesday uh, tried to make it about flood water. It's not about flood water to me. It's about what is the, the high tide. Um, I think it's high tide or everywhere else in the, in the country. It's high tide during the winter is the mark. And so if we could just get to that point, fellas, it would free up about 2.4 million acres of water for us to be able to fish, to not have to have the burden of knowing where we're at, worry about somebody rounding the corner with an AK, um, and threatening to shoot you if you don't leave. I know that sounds extreme, and I believe that people think um, we, we kind of half-ass make this stuff up. But these are the reports that I read on Facebook Messenger two, three times a month. You know, I was, I was in Lafitte, and this happened. Or I was in Bayou Black, and this happened. Or I was, you know, around Calcasieu Lake, and this happened. And, I mean, I, it... it I've reported it because it happens, and, and this stuff is being discussed, and so um, it's it's really a, a conundrum. Now, when I got involved, I thought it was way easier than what it actually is. Um, I, I'll give the the landowners, the water bottom claimants, this. Um, you know, nobody in this country wants anything taken away from them. Okay. And when the, when the precedent has been set and you lived five decades under those precedents, anytime somebody comes in and says they want to change something, well, you're obviously, you're taking from them. My point and my contingent is it was taken from us. 50 years ago, 
Yeah, 50 years ago, whenever, you know, a, a, a judge made the decision that, you know, no, we're going to treat this like somebody's driveway, and even though there's access to it, doesn't mean you can take that driveway. Look, a terrestrial law has nothing to do with the, with the nautical law, right? Um, I mean, still on the books today, there are piracy laws where if somebody tries to get in your boat, uh, you, you have the right to defend yourself and your property so that you don't get pirated, all right? And so uh, my view on things um, is, 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 is a calculated view. I sat on the SR-99 task force. That was one of the original uh, olive branches that the legislative body came to. Uh, Senator Brett Alon, who's uh, terming out after this year, um, you know, he, the private water public, okay, so the, the guys that um, are the public behind this, they bashed him pretty hard. He had voted against the bill. Uh, they created a bunch of memes. Uh, the machine worked that year. We blew his phone up for two weeks straight, and he called us, look, guys, I need some help. I need to stop this. What do we got to do? Um, and so it was, it was my vote at the time that we would go through this task force because the task force involved about 20 different entities from across the state. It was Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries, Louisiana Department of Natural Resources, Audubon Institute, the Louisiana Sportsman's Coalition, uh, CCA was involved, Sea uh, Grant was involved. It was a uh, Audubon um, uh, bird sanctuary people were involved. Uh, and then four or five different representatives and senators were on the board, though they made the first couple of meetings and then after that, it, it, it kind of, they, they kind of went away. But we did that for 18 months. Sean and I both sat on the board um, and, and listened to every option and everything that they had um, you know, to discuss, and at the end of it, they wrote a report, uh, Dr., or excuse me, Professor John Lovett uh, from Loyola Law uh, Institute was there, I think it was Louisiana Institute uh, was there, was a representative that was um, uh, commissioned with kind of taking all of that stuff and putting it together in a form of something that, that everybody could read. Um, well, immediately after that, COVID, right? So, we come out of uh, 2019 kind of ready to, to uh, get to work, and then COVID happened and it shut everything down for a year and a half. Uh, one of the things that came out of SR99, um, and this is something that doesn't get talked about a whole, whole lot, um, when land recedes below the water, um, by Louisiana law, it becomes state claimed. The state is supposed to claim that water. So when you have a piece of land that sinks underwater, it was once terrestrial, now it's covered by water, it becomes a dual claimed property. So the state is entitled to some of the um, royalties behind that. Well, myself personally, I kind of have a problem with that. If I was a landowner and you know, 50 acres of my land went underwater um, and I was you know, making a million dollars a year off of that, pumping oil or, or gas or whatever it was, and then once it goes under the water, the state now gets half of that. I have an issue with that. So we, we kind of sided with the landowners on this. And one of the proposals was um, that dual claim property uh, in that instance, um, you know, if we were allowed access, we would then back them in getting their full mineral rights back. So what the water bottom claimants did, I think it was 2021, is they introduced a bill 
that would allow that with the caveat that the landowner would have the discretion as to whether or not his property would be used for recreation. And so when they did that, we jumped all over it along with the Craw Fishermen Association because it was a bad deal for the sportsmen. If we did that, you know, it was only going to free up about 110,000 acres of a total of 3 million acres, most of which wouldn't have been, you know, really realized by the sportsmen as being a good thing. So we fought them on that. They brought that up, you know, here last Wednesday because it just wasn't a good deal. It wasn't a good deal for the sportsmen. And so, again, getting back to what HB 4 was about, and I realize this thing gets long-winded, but it's a lot to unpack. The other part of HB 4 was the only place that we could find privately water defined was in something called Title 56. Title 56 is what Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries bases the fishing license off of. And that describes private water as landlocked water to where it does not ebb and flow with the tide. So somebody's 100-acre piece of property, they got a 5-acre pond in the middle of it. There's no tidally influenced water on it. That is private water. I can't find anything else anywhere else that describes it. So then that means if the water ebbs and flows to me, the water ebbs and flows, it belongs to the state. And so that was what HB 4 was about. Tony Bacala is a representative out of Ascension Parish. I live in Ascension, but he's not my representative. He bought this unsolicited. We did not come to him. We did not ask him for help in this. He recognized the wronging of the Wagley situation and saw where Wagley had beat it based off of what we felt like Article 450 and Title 56 gave him the right to do. Rodney lost in the lower court at Terrebonne Parish, but he won in the First District Court of Appeals. After the appeal process, the landowner sent writs to the Supreme Court telling them that this was a bad thing and the Supreme Court stood with the First District. Now, here's what's funny about that. The First District, there was two things that the state needed to do in order to prosecute Wagley. And it was one of two things. Either they had to prove that he was where he said he was or where his accuser said he was, or they don't believe that water can be posted. Now, they didn't help us with a hard, fast ruling, going through it and describing it, but process of elimination will tell you Rodney admitted to being where he was. He was in what's known around Bayou Black as the Crawford Ponds. He showed them on a map exactly where he was when he was confronted, where he fishes whenever he goes down there. And by that explanation, he should have been convicted. But the First District didn't convict him of that. So, because they overturned it, we felt like they overturned it because they don't believe you can post water. Now, instead of them saying that clearly, they made the ruling they did, and we went to the legislative body with what we had to try and get them to make sense of it, because it can't get any clearer than that. And unfortunately, Tony actually ripped up the page in the state constitution that describes Article 450. In reality, he should have stood up and took a leak on it, because that's essentially what's going on right now. And look, it has been. It's not just this 
this group of legislators that's done it, they've been kicking this can down the road for 20 years. I mean, guys like Will Courtney and them were fighting this 20 years ago. But what happens is, is you know, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know, you, you can't just get in this and think you're going to fix it in a year. This thing is a multi-year deal. And so we're not we're not approaching it like I'm going to fix it all and I'm going to fix it all in 2022 or 2023 or 2024. It, it's going to take some breaking down of this thing in order to get where we need to go. I think a lot of people didn't understand that when y'all first came out, that it was going to take a long time. Most people thought it was just going to be a snap of fingers and maybe we'll get this done. But, man, what's, uh, what kind of impact do, do politicians have on, on say, the Sportsman Coalition and you personally, does, do they intimidate you at all? Or I don't think intimidate is the right way or the right word to describe it. Um, you know, I was raised a man is a man is a man is a man, right? So uh, it doesn't really matter to me what your um, social um, status is. Um, you do the same things I do. You're a nasty creature just like I am. You're a sinner just like I am. So um, being intimidating isn't the right word. I would say that five years ago, I was naive. How about I thought, I, I thought like uh, most lay people that aren't uh, suit to nuts, ten toes deep in this thing, this is an easy fix. My fix was this. You don't want me fishing in your place. Burn it off. No culverts. You can't have my water going back and forth through your stuff. Either pay the state for what lives back there get a get a, an analysis done of what's back there pay the state so that the state can then designate those funds to restocking efforts of what was the natural waterways prior to them cutting all these canals in and changing the hydrology of everything that was my fix i was right there with you in do you know how hard that would be do you know do you know how uh, difficult of a of a of a, a burden you would put on a landowner by doing that. And again, I don't want to I don't want to take anything they own, and I don't want to burden them any more than they are. Right? They're tax paying citizens. I get that, but they're claiming this un, this this property that's underwater as useless. So what they pay in taxes is a penance of what you and I would pay in taxes, um, and it, it's 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 simply not right. Uh, nowhere else in the United States of America is this done this way. Every case that goes before a federal judge involving water access, so like your your commercial fishermen that get caught up in the mix. This is the best. This it's not the best part, but this is hilarious. Wednesday, while they were going through and we were testifying and talking about it, uh, you know, we went first as the the uh, proponents of it. Then the opponents went second. As they were spinning their lies and, and bringing up stuff that's already been covered uh, uh, through the task force uh, you know, concerning liability, I'll get into that in a second. Um, as they're making those lies, one of my good friends from Ascension Parish is a cat fisherman. He texted me, hey, man, I just got my first ticket for trespassing. He's a commercial fisherman. Well, he's going to beat that if he can get it into federal court because you can't. You can't do that to somebody that's trying to um, administer commerce um, and, and the cases that have been won on the federal level. Well, federal law and state law are two different things. And so, you know, what, what applies to the federal laws don't apply to the state laws. And unfortunately, until they recognize that 
the laws that are that are on the books there to protect the public are there to protect the public. Uh, we're, we're in an uphill battle and it's going to take some more chopping at this tree in order to get it to fall. Uh, what I can tell you is that this thing will go down. There's no question about it. Eventually, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to either make some concessions that we agree to uh, or they're going to have to change the Constitution in order to get it done. One of the misconceptions we had as a coalition in the very beginning is that it was going to take us changing the law to get it done. It's not the case. We need them to recognize the law that is currently on the books. If they recognize the law that's already there, this deal's done. Let me ask you this, Lucas. What kind of impact does the two million acres have to the economy as far as tourism or anything like this? It's two, it's, you know, I mean, uh, it seems like this is something that, yes, I mean, how, how involved is the lieutenant governor with all this? I mean, it seems like this would be something he would be concerned with since that's one of his main, main things is tourism. I tell you what, buddy, we are selling tourism all across the country um, at a high rate. When I go and, and fish some of these Bassmaster Opens um, on local television um, or even cable television in those areas, you'll see commercials just come to Louisiana and they got the, the music playing in yeah, the background and they pop the crawfish and they're fishing. Yeah, come to Louisiana, but you can't fish these waters. Yeah, um, the, the, the factual numbers that we've been reporting and again, these will all be approximate in um, some respects. We're talking about 3 million acres of coastal Louisiana is water. Um, I've done the math. 80% of the 3 million acres is privately owned, is what you would consider able for them to restrict. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. 80%? That's correct. 80%. Um, yeah. If you open up the OnX app, it's a hunting app. And you turn on the property lines yep. and you go to Bayou Black, you're going to see property lines over every piece of water that is there. I mean, even the stuff like the pension and the intercoastal, those lines will run out into that stuff. Um, and uh, so 80% of it is privately owned, 2.4 million acres. That leaves the rest 600,000 acres, which sounds tremendous, okay? 600,000 acres is three Toledo beings. Um, when I was a kid, I was taught uh, by one of my mentors, 10% uh, of the fishermen catch 90% of the fish. 90% yep. of the fish live in 10% of the water, right? So that means of the 2.4 million acres that is privately owned, uh, 240,000 of those acres are prime real estate. Crab, shrimp, bass, redfish, speckled trout, flounder, gar. Everything, okay, is going to live in that 240,000 acres that we can't access. That leaves us with about 60,000 acres that is prime, okay? So they have an every cast in Toledo Bend catches the fish amount of water, you know, a little bit more, that is prime, the very best it can possibly be, and we have 60,000 acres. That's... Um, if, if anybody's familiar with Walsh Barnett, that'd be like two Walsh Barnetts. Again, it sounds like a whole lot of water, but you got to go all over the place in order to find that productive right. area, productive water. And whether you're tournament fishing or you're just trying to put some table fare uh, on the table for your family, um, you, you know, you got to be able to go in those places in order to catch them. And, you know, man, I, I, I have heard 
Uh, you know, if you just were the better fisherman, you would catch the fish. And, you know, come on, man. Um, yeah, I might not be that good of a fisherman, but what I do know is that if I had the ability to go where I need to go, I mean, guys, we're dealing with uh, a, a Florida-type situation in Bayou Black. If you could fish everywhere in that marsh like you can in the Everglades in Florida or some of those other places, the bags that you would see come out of that place would rival Florida. This is something else. I tell people this, and, and they, they freak out. The Bassmaster Classic, right? It was a summertime event for the first 40 years of its existence. The summertime event, when it was brought here in 1999, I remember my dad and I talking about it. Oh, we're going to see what these guys can do in the basin or we'll see what they can do in South Louisiana. You're going to see that they're, you know, they're not going to have good weights. He set the record for all classics at that time for a five-fish limit. It was like 59 pounds, right? Three days, 15 fish. Well, not Paul Nick. No, that's that's. I went to one with Van Dam, Paul Nick, and then when they was in Katawachi, and it was unbelievable. The I'm gonna I'm get there. So that was the summertime event, the five bass summertime event. We set the record. Louisiana, not Alabama, not Texas, not Florida. Here. Fast forward to 2011, 2006. They changed it. It went from a summertime event to a spring event because they wanted to take advantage of the spawn. They wanted to see bigger weights. So they did that. 2011, Kevin Van Dam set the Bassmaster Classic record in Lake Catawachi, 69 pounds, 11 ounces, 15 fish. Not Texas, not Alabama, not Florida. Here. We got the worst landings. We got the worst roads. We don't take care of the fishery. We got Ziploc guys, you know, Team Ziploc. They'll always be out there. But even with all that, our fishery is still that good. Now, Lake Catawachi is one of those areas that at the time it was a perfect storm, right? You had the diversion running for about 10 years. You had all the Floridas that were brought in. It just it just exploded. It's not as strong now as it was then. It took a couple of licks from a couple of different hurricanes. But I bet you this, I bet you if they could post it, they would. The reason it's not posted is it's a national, uh, national wildlife refuge. That's why when you go into Catawachi, after September 1st, it's trolling motor only to get into the tank pond. Because if you, you know, if you run a boat back there, they're worried about you messing up the duck hunters or whatnot that might be back there. And, and, and let me say this, too, because I know, you know, this is an outdoors podcast. Um, we have duck hunters that are going to be listening to this. Guys, we are not against you, okay? I, I'm a deer hunter. I never got into the duck hunting. Um, and, and so I understand about... Um, all of the things that we do as outdoorsmen to better the property for the animal that then betters our experience. I'm not trying, and we as a coalition are not trying to take anything away from those guys. No, we want but, to compromise. Uh, absolutely we do, because I don't want to mess them up. They have a limited amount of time. they got about four months to get to shoot the ducks in the face, and I want them to have that opportunity. And the coalition is for the strictest of strict penalties whenever somebody does mess up like um you know we have to be able to give those guys the peace of mind that that you know we want to be able to fish but when it's their time we can stay out like it's not it's not one of these things where um we want it for all time always now in texas and mississippi and alabama and florida i've made those calls i've talked to guides there that do cast and blast stuff they don't have these issues. 
So the issues that these landowners bring up are really non-issues. They're making it an issue to the legislative body so that the legislative body falls in their favor. And, and you know, it's just the way that it's been. I mean, another thing that a lot of people don't know, and I didn't know prior to going through uh, the task force, is that there are actually laws written into um, our, 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 our state books that protect landowners if they allow their, product, their, their property to be used for recreation. So if you have a man that owns a thousand acres of land, terrestrial land, and he says, all right, I, I want the public to be able to hunt my land, and he allows that, he cannot be sued for somebody getting hurt on that property. And that same thing extends over into the water ac access portion as well. Um, you know, the, the uh, landowners, um, lawyers and lobbyists, after we had our chance on Wednesday, came in behind us, and obviously they're it's not a courtroom, so I can't be back there. I object. You know, that's wrong. They're lying. That's a red herring. Um, but that won't happen next year. Um, I, I, I got something in my brain for next year and what we do next year as far as how we're going to try and address that because the, the way that committee works, we speak first, the opposition speaks last. And so um, I'm going to be sure and cover that a little bit better, um, you know, next go around. But Again, uh, we're obviously disappointed that HB4 didn't go further, um, but the reality was is HB4 didn't, uh, um, didn't fix it. Um, HB4 was the easiest thing to be able to, um, to go after, right? And, and one of the reasons that, that uh, Representative Bacala wanted to go that way is because um, he sat on the Civil Code Committee or Civil Law Committee, um, and it's, it's, it's right there. Like, you, you read it, that's what it says, and you read this, and that's what it says. Well, you put them together, you can't trespass on something that belongs to the public, and that's what he was trying to do. Um, but, you know, um, Bob's Bayou Black Marina, right? That, that was really the, the precipice for this coalition starting. Uh, I think 2017 was the first time anybody heard that there was a possibility that Bob's was going to close. Well, at the time that happened, they didn't have the little landing in Amelia like they have now. If you wanted to go and fish South Pension, you, you had to be able to put it at Bob's. Because if you didn't put it at Bob's, then you were putting in at Guaron's and running all the way around, or you were putting in at Homa and running all the way back. And so when that happened, um, I think it's Williams Corp owns the property that Bob sits behind. So Bob owns his property, the the um, the the water that surrounds that they got some camps and whatnot well the access to get to the gulf canal that little 200 yard stretch between the landing and the gulf canal is owned by williams so williams um for better lack of way to say it they're the gatekeeper right they started pressuring bob's bayou black uh raised their rates told them that they were going to shut it down uh, right. what Bob's is having to pay in order, uh, you know, to, to, to have a place. And so the point is, <clears throat> apparently Williams put a little bit of pressure on them this year, uh, wanted to change things up. So much so, in fact, that it's my opinion, and it is just my opinion, not, a, not associated with the coalition at all, is that Williams may be trying to push them out and then buy their property and then lock the whole thing up. I mean, they've been talking about shutting down the Gulf Canal for the last five years as well. Excuse me. So um, that is a, 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 a real issue. Well, 
during this, and, and I think it was um, maybe in March, I heard that Williams was putting some more pressure on them, and they had reached out to us for help. And listen, Bob's has been great. Um, I've, I've had um, uh, a meeting there last year with a bunch of folks from Loyola Law uh, and, and took them, right? Because it's one thing to look at a map and you go, oh, yeah, that's kind of messed up. And then you take them to it. And you show them, how am I supposed to know where to go with all of this? And the I wish I the... still had my map that they gave me for Harry Bird. You familiar with that? The Harry Bird property? Mm-mm. That's a story for another day, but keep continue. I'm sorry. Um, I called Tony and I said, Tony, look, I said, you know, uh, the, uh, explain to him the situation and, 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 you know, that it was kind of in the epicenter of where this thing is, is kind of unraveling on us and, and you know, uh, you know, he told me. He said, "Well, look, just just let them know that we got something working and that we're we're trying to get it done." Because this gets back to what HB4 did and what HB4 didn't do. And I told him, I said, "Well, Tony, I said, unfortunately, our bill doesn't do anything to help these people." And and he said, "Yeah, I know, I know, you're right. This thing is way bigger than even what he thought it was, because it's all connected, right?" So, um, when Tony told us that he was doing this. Um, we had a bill ready to go. We actually had this bill wrote last year, and um, uh, through uh, unfortunate events uh, on the um, uh, legislator that we were partnered up to to file it, um, it didn't get filed in time. So we were um, stuck with our hands in our back pockets because obviously none of us are legislators. We can't uh, make somebody do their job that they promised, but it didn't get done. So when Tony announced that he was running it, that meant the, the person that we had that was going to run our bill backed out. And so, uh, you know, we, we brought him all of the information that we had compiled over the last seven years. And it's a stack of paper this high, right? Because it, the, the, the issue is that big and is that involved. And the problem is, is that <clears throat> the other side wants it that hard. They want it that involved. They want us to quit. They want us to get discouraged. And I'm too stupid to get discouraged. <laughs> well, the problem, the problem is you like me. I know my last name don't say it, but I'm part Italian. So mm-hmm. that's that Italian blood in you. I know with a Ragusa last name. So that, yeah. that I, under, I got that same problem you got. And I'm, I'm even worse because I'm Sicilian. Well, that's so, my, my grandmother was a, uh, was a Grenada. She was Sicilian yeah. too, so... Yeah, well, listen, and, and um, I'm on the side of right. I'll be on the side of right until this thing is done. I'm confident enough that if it takes me the rest of my life to get that done, this is the right thing to do. I have no alternative motives. I don't have to fish in South Louisiana the rest of my life. But I want the ones that are coming behind me to have that opportunity. I want Derek Hudnall and Tyler Rivette. And I want those guys to be able to come back here and have the ultimate home field advantage. I've been all over this country. And two years ago, I spun out of the King Canal into Grand Lake. And when I hit Grand Lake, I was trying to decide where to go. It sucked that day. I had been probably 50 miles. I think I put in at, at Bell River that day, hit the South stuff, um, and was, was, you know, come out of Cairns and I'm making my mind up. Am I going swing shoot or am I going back towards Bayou, I mean, back towards Big Pigeon. And I turned the boat north and I'm, I'm starting to go north and it dawned on me 
how mysterious, humbling, huge our estuary is. It is the most complicated fishery I have ever been on in my life. I have been fishing it since I was six years old. I have been tournament fishing it since I was eight. I have spent more time in the basin uh, than a lot. And I'm petrified that the basin is next. And I'm petrified of it because the brandishing that they have done behind, they meaning the, the landowners, we're a battleship and y'all are a P-Row. You want it, you're going to have to take it from us. Oh, and by the way, I'm coming after the spillway next. I told everybody at Cliff's fundraiser last year, this is coming to the basin, right? And I'm saying it now because when it happens, I'm going to be so mad at everybody that sat on the sideline and bitched on social media about how wrong this is and didn't put their money up. Guys, we charge $49. $49 a month. I don't sell no hats. I don't put on no tournaments because it takes infrastructure to be able to do that. It takes money to be able to do that. And I look and I follow these pages and these people bitch and they complain and I ask them, are you a member of the coalition? And it's crickets. I go back, I find their name, I go look at my role. They're not there. So it's if, you, if you're bitching about what's going on uh, around you in society, you need to vote. If you're not going to vote, stop bitching, you know, and, 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 you know, look, that fears me. And the second thing that fears me is somebody's going to die over this, whether it's a landowner, a landman or a private citizen, it's going to be a catastrophe. It almost happened last year to two boys that were looking for a friend of theirs that was yeah. going down. Yeah, I just I saw, saw the I saw the video. I showed the video to the legislator and it was, you know, they, they were pretty well unaffected by it. And like. That video scared the shit out of me, guys. Because I don't know what I would do if somebody rolled the corner and had a light and put a gun on me. Like, I, I don't If I had a gun, that's over. I'm going to jail. Somebody going to jail. And, and look, that guy's going to do some serious time behind what he did. He thought he was in his right to do that. He apprehended those boys, drug them back to the landing, and his ass went to jail. Because he was wrong. Like, you, you can't do that. And and as this thing grows and as this thing, you know, and, and um, I got a lot of comments from people, uh, you know, last week after I testified and uh, there was an exchange between Representative Fontenot and Representative Fontenot is from down there. He's from Thibodeau. And at the time, I, I didn't pick up what he was doing. He had to do what he did. Right. Because he's right. HB4 passes. These landowners are going to try and gate up everything they can, feeling like they're grandfathered in if they get their gate up before we actually get it, you know, to where the point where we're tearing it down. And that's why we knew this was more than a one year deal. Like we would have to come after this this year, the gates next year, uh, you know, uh, uh, areas where uh, it's not a gate. It's actual pilings that are drove in that you can't get through. Um, and so he has constituents to answer to. He is not my enemy. He voted for us. He voted for that bill because he knows as an outdoorsman that this thing is going to get worse, but it would have gotten worse immediately had HB4 passed. They'd have gated up the Bluebird. They'd have gated up. I mean, you, you go down the list of every canal down there that's worth fishing or every canal down there that leads to a marsh that's worth fishing, they would try and gate it off. But the other thing about the gates, the gates aren't legal either. 
Um, and, and, and again, a lot of, lot of people don't know this. The gates are supposed to be approved by uh, the Corps of Engineers, and they're supposed to be installed by the Coast Guard standards, which is lit 24-7 and signage that lets you know you're coming upon that. You know, uh, you know, one of these guys that maybe goes two, three times a year comes spinning out of the intercoastal to run up into the Orange Grove down there. Once they get that gate up and doesn't realize that gate's there and runs his boat through that gate and dies. And now you got a lawsuit. Now you got a lawsuit, especially if you didn't have a permit to put it up. And we fought against that, you know, that area being blocked off because, I mean, there's probably a thousand, fifteen hundred acres worth of water that is inside the canal, right? Which was always okay for us to fish, but you can no longer go into. When I took the people from Loyola there last year in the summer, I went in there because it wasn't gated off. <clears throat> and as I'm coming out, you know, I got a a, a, a rat boat. Half of it is wrapped with an air conditioning manufacturer that I represent, and the other half of it is wrapped with the coalition. Well, I wish the coalition side would have been on the side that he was on, because when I went by him, I just waited. You know, hey, how you doing? I gave him plenty of time. Get my numbers. You know, contact who you got to contact. Do whatever you got to do. But I wanted to show them it is impossible, even with the technology that we have today, to know exactly where you're at 100% of the time. And the way that the, the law reads, it's your responsibility to know where you're at. Well, the state has never produced a map. The map that is on uh, SOAS, I think is the, the name of the website or whatever, it is basically every major tributary. You know, so Lake Verrett, Grassy Lake, Persimmon Pass, the Intercoastal, Bell River, the Atchafalaya River, Mississippi River, uh, Marmatu, What's the what's the river that runs through um, Cameron uh, out through anyway all of the major waterways that is part of the six hundred thousand acres that we have to fish. Uh, Joey, let me ask you: You ever caught a spawning bass in the intercoastal? No. Are you ever gonna? I tell you this: the only time I caught a spawning bass in the intercoastal was when they was eleven. When they was off. That's flooding. I'm talking about normal, regular no. fishing. No. Are you ever? And the answer is no, because it's not conducive to a spawning bass. You need low current. You need warmer water. Where is all that? Well, it's in the canals that were dug most probably over natural waterways that led to other areas where the fish spawn. In Lake Verrett, where do all the fish spawn in Lake Verrett? In the, in the back, in, in the canal. In the Crackerhead, in the Michelle, in the, in the other one that you can't Oxo go to. Fields, the, the... That's right, the, yeah. uh, the Cherami and the Sherman. Cherami and the Sherman, Bob Lewis. Right, so if none of those canals are there, where do they spawn then? They spawn yeah. around the cypress trees in the middle of the lake where in we can lake. get to them, where it's ours. But you change the hydrology, you change the fishery. You change the fishery. I, I didn't give you permission to change the fishery. You know, the, the people that did it 60, 70, 80 years ago, they weren't worried about affecting the environment. We didn't care about the environment 67 years ago. We cared about money and jobs. And look, all of that stuff is important. I'm not advocating that we don't have that. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that if you change the fishery, you have to allow us to fish the fishery as it is today. Or you need to go back and you need to start filling all that stuff in so that the fishery can turn back into its natural state and its natural self. 
I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying that's what we need to do, right? But we all know that cutting these canals in, I mean, guys, look at the Delta. You know, I, I, I've made the run from um, Bayou Signette to Venice half a dozen times, right? You, you go back and you look at Google Earth and you go 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you can see clearly those were canals that have subsided and have fallen off and have turned into open water. Um, you know, so because the fishery has changed, we feel like, um, you know, we deserve and, and are, I guess entitled is the right word. I can't think of another word to what belongs to why us. Is, why is that the, you know, we're talking a lot about the Bayou Black area. Why is it so prevalent in Bayou Black and not in the Venice area? And not that it doesn't happen in Venice, but it's not as prevalent as it is in the Bayou Black area. Why is it? I got, I know why. <laughs> or you go first. <laughs> Apache? Uh, listen, it isn't any one major uh, land corporation that is the problem. In reality, the oil companies are not our problem. The oil companies will never shut their canals down. And I say none of them. The vast majority of them, they don't care, man. Um, how this how this happened, 70 years ago when they dug that canal to get to that gas, okay, their, their uh, lease said that once you got in there and the well was done, your job then was to, was to put it back like it was. So you got to come back in, you got to backfill it, you got to turn it back into land. Well, so say in 1930, the penalty was $10,000, okay? Fast forward to 1960, the well is dead, right? It's no longer useful to them, but the penalty is still $10,000. Well, in 1960, it cost $100,000 to pump that thing full of uh, sand and close it off and, and make it land again. What is corporate America going to do? The right. littlest possible. So they pay the fine now. They invited the public's water onto their property, and now they can gate it off and they can keep it for their own personal paradise. You know, that's the part that I have a real problem with. You know, um, uh, God dang, man, this thing is so big. Wildlife and Fisheries is responsible for all, um, let's call it public water, okay? Um, so they have to be the ones, and listen, those guys do a yeoman's job. I think at last count, it was like two wildlife agents per parish is all we have in this state. Um, so this is not a criticism of them. This is just how hard their job is. Our tax dollars, we buy a fishing license. That gives us a ticket to the show, okay? Uh, but all we get to see is the previews. They don't show us the movie. We paid 20 bucks to go and see previews, and now you got to leave because they get to enjoy what's on the other side of that gate. You know, wildlife won't tell me whether or not they are responsible to go behind that gate and enforce those laws. So my tax dollars that help pay for the fish to be restocked in the areas after they get killed, that pay to, to maintain the fishery as it is, um, where this real high-quality water is that we talked about in the first segment, um, is, is in these areas, nobody knows who enforces what goes on there. So that guy could be back there. He could catch 100 bass a day. Nobody knows so, whether or not he can get penalized. So we fish in a tournament this weekend in Lake Barrett, and at the Bayside Tournament, the Winter Series Classic. 
We are fishing behind Graveyard Island. Mm-hmm. They got, you know, in Graveyard Island, they got their so-called private pond that you can't get into. That's right. And they got a guy fishing in that pond, and we can hear him talking to another guy that he's fishing with, and they're talking about limits. And the first, and he, I guess he didn't realize how loud he was talking, mm-hmm. but the first thing he said was, I ain't worried about no game warden coming back in and checking me for no limit. That's the first thing he said. And and I just, we, me and my brother-in-law looked at each other and he goes, did he really just say that? But that's their mentality. They have it. We want it. That's the way that they feel about it, man. And, and you know, like I said, I wasn't part of the, I wasn't on the board at that time when that was said. But I've been in those rooms for the last five or six years, and I've heard some of the things that not only the landowners say, but their lobbyists say. It's one of the things that I hate most about our system. And, you know, when when you're trying to do your civic duty as a, as a citizen, right, you know, uh, prior to becoming part of the coalition, um, the, the, you know, my duty was to vote, right? My duty was to pay taxes. Well, getting involved in this situation, you have to see what's behind the curtain. You cannot do this without lobbyists. Um, no matter, I, I could probably show up with 100,000 sportsmen to the Capitol and flood the whole thing where nothing else could get done, and it wouldn't have the same impact as having a high-caliber, high-quality lobbyist talking to these legislators, talking to the powers that be about why this is important. That's the way the system is set up. I have to try and play within the rules of the system as it's set up. And so what, what my job is, is to try and figure out how to squeeze this blood from this turnip, this very small amount of money that we're able to get from the good people that do support it in order to be able to do the same things that these billionaire landowners can do at a drop of a hat, dude. That What is $10 million to them? Nothing. 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 And that's, uh, let's call a spade a spade, Lucas. Louisiana is good old boy politics. Oh, absolutely. And and but and that's what saying, we're dealing with. I, I believe that is true in every state in the union. This, the, the system itself is broken, but that'll get us off of a, on a totally different ta- tangent. What I'm trying to explain, and, and hopefully your, your viewers and your listeners will will pick up on, in order for us to actually change this, we have to play by the same rules that they play with, okay? That takes money. It takes investment. You can't look at it as losing $49. You're investing in your child or your grandkids' future. Yeah. The whole thing, guys, the day I roll around in Big Pigeon and I get the catfish, which is where I grew up, and there's a gate behind it, I will cry. The zigzag, the hoop hole, swing shoot. When it happens, do not talk to me in person about it because you are going to see the maddest son of a bitch you have ever seen in your life because I'm telling you, it's coming. They're going to do it if we don't stop it. And I ain't trying to scare nobody. Look, dude, I do all this for free because I know it's right. And you're passionate about it. I can tell that. Yeah. I wouldn't dream of trying to take a nickel from this thing because it's that important. They think I'm spinning it. I ain't spinning it, guys. It's coming. If you don't, if you don't want to believe it from me, talk to any of the other ten board members that we have that are experienced. Sean has had it happen to him. 
Steve Rodwaller had it happen to him. With his son, that's a damn vet who has PTSD. They rolled up on this man with guns. This man was overseas fighting, you know, for for causes that we put him in. And he has to come home and deal with it. I can't imagine how sick Steve was about that. Uh, but it, it goes on every day. It was it went on. I, I talked about that earlier. It was going on as they were voting us down. The man was getting road tickets for commerce. He's a catfisherman. He runs hoop nets all over. Why? Because it can? Because we don't defend it? Because we don't, like, I, I, I just, it's hard for me to understand that part of it, guys, and, and uh, I am passionate about it because I care. I know I'm on the right side of right. There is no middle ground with me on this thing for, for the landowners and the landowner associations, and, and, and look, man, some of these guys are good people. Uh, you know, like I, I was talking earlier about uh, Representative Fontenot. Representative Fontenot came up to me after the fact, and he was like, look, man, I do support you guys. I do know this thing needs to be changed, but my constituents were worried that they would have even less to fish if this passed. And I explained to him, look, we're trying to chop down an oak tree, and we got to take one swing at a time, and that's the reason he voted for it. He's not my enemy. He's going to be an asset and, and an ally of ours for years to come because he is a fisherman. He is an outdoorsman, and the vast majority of outdoors want this thing fixed. Even if they have to break it in order to fix it back right, that's what they want to do. And, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure uh, that as a, as, as a coalition and as a group, you know, we can provide that message and provide that resource. Look, man, I'm the one answering the Facebook uh, messenger. So if you message the coalition, I'm the guy that actually answers that. Now, there's an automated message that comes up so that you know, the people know, hey, somebody saw it. And if you don't get a response in a couple of days, please hit it again. I'm running a business. I have a family. I'm trying to fish too whenever I can. So um, we need your help. We need your support. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, tell, us, we tell, cannot... us, tell us how we can get involved. Where, where do we need to go to pay dues? Because I used to pay you dues. When I was guiding, I did that, and look, I fell off. Bust it. Bust it out to pocket. Go what's to the join. name of it? What's the website? Tell us. Joinlasc.com. Okay, so the, the acronym Louisiana Sportsman's Coalition is the same as the Louisiana Supreme Court. So we had to put something in front of that. Joinlasc.com. Uh, there's a membership form there. That's you it. fill it out. Um, you know, every now and then it has a snafu. It'll kick your, your, your charge back. Wait a day. Try again. If it don't work, hit me on the messenger so that I can figure out where the, the, the problem is. Um, there, there are two different ways you could do it. You can make a one-time payment or you can put it on recurring. If you put it on recurring every year at that anniversary date, it's going to pull it again. Is there an option to give more? Um, I do believe there is, but if there's not, I will dang sure make sure that that option is available. I, I would do that. Yeah, anybody that um, would want to do that, um, I, all you got to do is message me. I can tell you where to send the check. There is, um, we are still in the process of getting some of the particulars filled out. I know, um, especially on Facebook, um, you know, you can, uh, for my birthday, make a donation to this cause. I do not have that set up yet. Uh, we're waiting for the legality portion of that to, to get worked out. I'm trying. Um, you know, it, it's... Um, Dude, like go I, fund me. 
Yeah. I, I mean, listen, we've done some of that. We do. We, we try and do a raffle a couple of times a year. This last raffle we did, uh, I believe we did a, a, a 17 caliber like squirrel rifle, real nice gun, and um, uh, we did that. And um, you know, it raised some funds, but um, we need more peanuts. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but far as um, what type of legal help do you have with all this? Like, do you got somebody working pro bono for you? Y'all paying a lawyer? How how does that work to help you? Because I know it's a lot, a lot of legal aspect with all this. So yeah, so um, we do have somebody that works pro bono wants to see this changed. He's from originally from down the bayou. He is a uh, a lobbyist now, but he worked at. Uh, the, the, I believe the Louisiana lands in the 90s. And in the 90s, that's kind of when this thing really started taking off and they started right. getting all this stuff. And so he got involved in it then. Um, somebody that's on the other side of the equation, uh, on the landowner side, they actually work together. They have a, a, a pretty good relationship. Uh, that gentleman's name is Emory Belton. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, I think it's Belton Law Firm is the name of his company. Emory Belton? Yes. Um, no, Emory, no, Mr. Emery. Well, I know his dad. His dad yeah. used to repair rotten reels. He sure did. Emery's told me that. Uh, and Emery is a great guy and a tremendous asset to what we have going on. And the best thing is he don't charge us a nickel. That's I mean, awesome. There's so much that goes on on that side. He just simply can't do it all on his own. Um, the, uh, the Louisiana Charter Boat Association that's knows, another one I would I was a member of. Uh, the Louisiana Charter Boat Association knows this is the biggest threat to charter boat fishermen in the state. Yeah. There's a lot of charter boat fishermen that are leaving the state, and they're going to subpar fisheries. Dude, our fishery is amazing. There's no reason to leave. No. That's why there's guys that fish, and they leave the panhandle and come to Venice. You know, they, they, they are they're going you know, 200 miles by water to get here. To catch a fish to run right back after they catch them in an hour. How many it's, of your old clients were from Florida, Rob? I had quite a few, but there, there's also, uh, there was a lot of guides that started coming, fly fishing guides that started yes. coming from Florida. Yeah. To fish our fishery because it was the better. Yeah, I, it's, it's the best fishery. I mean, dude, what we have going on here is a, uh, it's a perfect storm, right? It's, a, it's the, the, all the nutrients coming from the Mississippi River, dumping into the Gulf. You have all this inland waterway. You have all these estuaries. I mean, it is just a, nothing like it in the rest of the continental United States. Nowhere, uh, anywhere, uh, maybe even in the world. I mean, maybe I, in the world. Per, per, pretty sure, pretty perfect sure example is Venice. Where else in the world can you go and catch bass, redfish, speckled trout? Catfish, catfish, brim, shrimp, shrimp. I mean, oysters, and go oysters. offshore and catch some of the biggest tuna, you know, and and snapper and everything else, all within thirty minutes. Well, and 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 I was gonna say the only place that we're growing land in the entire world, I believe, is Wax Lake Outlet near Chafalaya Delta. Right. You know, eventually, in the next thirty, forty years, it's gonna be like Venice because you're gonna have the same thing. That river is gonna start trying to cut things and turn things off and you're going to make ponds and lakes and you know um and listen there's a strong contingent of people that are worried about the diversions and the new waterways that will be created with those diversions as to whether or not those diversions are going to be public or private i don't have the answer to that question 
um, the the and and I am a big proponent of diversions. I know that in, in diversions is what it's going to take in order to save uh, the coast. And yeah, I know yeah. that that's work because I'm doing this in the basin and stuff that I was fishing in the basin 15 years ago that was 10 foot deep is willow trees. Um, so the the Atchafalaya basin is the largest freshwater diversion in the world. It is exactly what these diversions are going to do. And so anybody that's fished the basin 40 years or longer knows. You know, I remember my dad telling me, man, we used to come into Grand Lake, and not only did it take us an hour and a half to get there from Pigeon Landing because we were running 14-foot batos with 25 mercs, he's like, you couldn't see across it because it was that big. I mean, the, the entire basin was formed by this. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a subject for a different time. What I do yeah, know— we, we only got about another five minutes. Yeah. So we're going to have to do a part two for like maybe another, I'm, another I'm, time. I'm we don't want to keep you all night long. Yeah. And listen, I, I know that, um, you know, you guys are, are, are going to point this thing in the right direction. Hopefully, um, you know, the rest of you guests can actually talk about fishing, which I enjoy that as well. Uh, but I do appreciate the fact that you guys have given us the, the platform uh, to discuss this and talk about it. It is the biggest threat to uh, the public trust as far as fishing goes. Uh, Joey, you had asked uh, about the monetary deal. Um, so not only are we not getting the bass tournaments, the major events here, which an open uh, series tournament is two to five million dollars worth of revenue for the local populations that they're held in. An elite tournament is between seven and ten million dollars, and a classic is between forty and fifty million dollars. All right, so it's significant money. But the entire fishing industry is worth in South Louisiana, uh, especially somewhere between three and five billion dollars. Wow. Yeah. So um, we, we have not been able to get uh, the numbers. Uh, uh, Billy Nungesser had promised that he would help us get that. Unfortunately, we have not gotten that. Um, and I do believe Billy is a is a, a proponent of this. He is not somebody that is trying to stop this. Uh, but. You know, I, I don't understand the, the complexities of his job and, and what it takes in order for him to, to do what he does every day. I wish we'd have had those numbers because I'd love to have been able to say, hey, the guy that's responsible for tourism in the state says the tourism dollars alone are worth this. And the, the commercial fishermen and the charter boat uh, fishermen are, are, are bringing this. And we're all buying $3.50 gas. Right. You, you got to, yeah, you got to include all the marinas and the, the, the stores, gas stations, every, everything's involved in it. I, I fished the Bassmaster Open on Toledo Bend about a month ago, and Governor Edwards was there. If you don't think it's a big deal to have an event like that, see the governor standing there at six o'clock in the morning, you know, turning boats loose. Both of them would add. Yeah, man, not, none guess what I had. Not yeah. And, and the thing is, like, just the bass fishing world, guys, these boats cost a hundred grand. Mm -hmm. Like these tournaments, that means you got two hundred hundred thousand dollar rigs that hold sixty gallons of gas. How much does that add up to be? Sixty right. gallons of, uh, sixty gallons of fuel. I, I mean all of it. Her I mean, boat. Everything. Tackle, tackle shops. You got ten boats, you got over a million dollars worth of hardware. Sitting <laughs> yeah. That's well, once again, Lucas, we thank you for we coming on man. and being our UI inaugural yeah, all your guests. We're so gonna, we appreciate it, man, and it was a great interview. Sure. And like I said, we're gonna get this out to the public for sure. Thank you for coming and on. Thank you, and uh, 
I think my membership's coming up to do uh, here. I'm, I'm expired, and I'm fixing to go do it right now. And we uh, uh, definitely. Where your phone at? You supposed to be dialing that number now, trying to get that. <laughs> <laughs> I but didn't want to disrespect. We 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 appreciate it, Lucas, yeah. and uh, man, you I can tell you're passionate about it, and man, we got the right man that's in the job uh to get this done. So we appreciate yeah. it, man, and we're gonna we'll help the word out in a, in the future, and we'll do a part two, and we sure Absolutely. do appreciate you, man. Yes, All right, guys. Thank I you, man. Thank you for the platform. Appreciate All right, man. It. God bless. Bye bye. All right, let's get on with the show. Uh, we're going to talk uh, today about the tournaments uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, so we didn't, last week we didn't bring up, but uh, on uh, Saturday, May 6th, Westside Bassmasters had a, a, a tournament at the Bell River Public Land in the spillway only. They had about 11 boats. Uh, looks like it was a real tough tournament. Uh, I wasn't able to attend that tournament. Kind of had a wedding to go to, but uh, first place went to Charlie Lefebvre with five fish with 7.97 pounds with a big bass of 1.83. Well, that's light, huh? Yeah, that's light. Uh, Pat Joffreon was uh, second with three fish at uh, six zero pounds. Same day, uh, Santa Bass Club on uh, May 6th. Uh, had a tournament out of Bell River Public Landing, Spillway side only. They had eight boats. It was a team tournament. Team Beck and Finhook came out first, 11.09 pounds with a big bass of 2.97 pounds. And uh, Rodney J and Old Mississippi uh, had five fish for 9.4 pounds. Let's get on into this week. Uh, I'm sorry, last week we had uh, the Tuesday Night Blind River Tournament. They had eight eight total boats. And old Colby Thompson with Jaboom. Jaboom! Jaboom! He had two fish. <laughs> like That's the... a three-fish tournament now. He had two fish for 2.81 pounds with a big bass of 1.66 pounds. We had the same on 5.9. We had the False River Tuesday Night. We had Hunter Aguilar with 6.42 pounds. And old Carl and Garrett Whittington, uh, father and son team there, with 6.04 pounds. I'll tell you what, those guys uh, do well at the, on False River and that um, Henderson area. Those guys always, Carl and Garrett, always do pretty well. That's uh, kind of, I guess, kind of their home waters over there. They, they usually do good in a lot of places in the, you know, the Bell River and uh, Jack Miller's area. <clears throat> on 510, we had the Canal Bank Wednesday evening tournament. Tell you what, they had a pretty good turnout for uh, Wednesday night. 21 boats. Dang. Yeah, that's pretty good. First place went to Randy Andrews and Dustin Alamon, I believe that's how you say that. Three fish at 4.1 pounds. Second place was Ross and Cody Roper. I tell you what, that Ross, heck of a fisherman. Good stick. Uh, huh? Good stick. Yeah, I, I guess Cody, that might be his little brother or son or something. But they had two fish for a total of four pounds, even with a big bass of 2.1 pounds. Ben and Chase Noble had two fish for 3.01 pounds. And then fourth place went to Vance. How do you think you would say that, Rob? 
Claudio, Claudio? Cultural. Cultural and Brandon Newchurch. One fish for 1.01 pounds for fourth place. Um, we same thing Wednesday night at the Reserve Canal. They had eight boats, and Brandon had 5.03 pounds. Tell you what, man, you don't you you could fish every night if you wanted to. It looks like I mean, I it, guess it's if your old lady lets you. Yeah, I mean, if your old lady well, lets you, you ain't got old lady. Yeah, <laughs> one of the two, one of the two. But I tell you, man, it, between Tuesday, I only I don't see any Thursday night. But uh, no, I'm sure you could probably find one somewhere. We'll have to make up the Fishing Fools Thursday yeah, night for Fishing Fools hey. Thursday night. That could be to come. How about that Jack Miller's 32 boats? Come on, Jack now. Jack Miller's 32 boats on a Friday night on a 512. That's May 12th. Uh, had some pretty decent weights there. Oh, Joey DeCool. And look at that. Turner, tournament, tournament director. director, director Mr. Canella. Blake Canella with 7.13. Go ahead on with it, Blake. With the big bass of 3.43 pounds. Oh, man. Second place went to uh, old Curtis Mr. King. Curtis. Curtis fished by himself with 7.09 pounds. We had uh, Jason Puccio and Hunter Davine with 6.90 pounds. Look at that old Travis Taylor. Yeah, boy. but little bones. How about you? 6.65 pounds. And Danny Camp and old Brent Carlisle. How about it, Brent? That yeah, old, old sack they call Yeah, boy. 6.18 pounds. Get that so chicken hawk, boy. That's right here in the hometown. Uh, pretty daggum good turnout there. Yeah, 32 boats, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That classic pots building. Uh, Bayside. We had the Bayside tournament, Friday night tournament on the same night. Uh, 24 boats. That's a pretty good turnout, man. Was that you, uh, Mitch. Oh, Mr. Chris Black. And Riley Falcon, 6.84 pounds with Big Bass, 3.26 pounds. You had Josh Lantry and Dalton with 4.97 pounds. Keegan Wheat and Reed Babin in third place with 4.94 pounds. You had Lily and Tyson Meir in fourth place with 4.57 pounds. And Jerry and Peyton Rome had 4.57 pounds. And a tiebreaker with that for that was the Big Bass with 3.13 pounds. Oh, Mr. Porto must have been sick that day. Uh, Porto must Porto's have had to work that night. Day. Something must have happened on that one. Also, you had the Friday night uh, Fishers of Men tournament at the Wyrong Landing. I think they had a total of 13 boats. You had my good buddy Mike Powell with 10.59 pounds with a big bass of 6.18 pounds. That's a pretty good three fish stringer there, I tell you. A six pound kicker, that'll help. You had Mr. Winston Michel and Mr. LeRae with 6.80 pounds coming in second. And you had Mr. Gary Christensen and Miss Judy came in third. I don't have the weight for that. Uh, please apologize. I apologize for that. Um, all right. So that's all your uh, week tournaments during the week. We're going to get to these next couple tournaments. Uh, well, weekend tournaments. Uh, Ascension Area Anglers and the Bayside had their Winter Series Classic. Uh, you did have another tournament. Uh, I wasn't able to get those uh, results, but I think they had some pretty good stringers in that. 
But uh, Centenaria Anglers on Saturday on May 13th had a, a club tournament with 11 boats out of Jack Miller's Landing. Uh, you had Mr. Austin Lejeune with 10.69 pounds. He was in first. You had second, Mr. Neil Norman with 10.45 pounds with a big bass of 5.33 pounds. Good fish, too. Yeah, that's a good fish. And then you had Mr. Corey Wheat with 9.61 pounds. Corey, yeah, Corey, by yourself. Go ahead. Yeah, Corey. They, they, uh, some good sticks in that club, man. They premier anglers in the area. Uh, and then the, the really big tournament this weekend was uh, Bayside had their Winter Series Classic. And uh, tell you what, we had a pretty good turnout. Uh, me and my brother-in-law fished that, that tournament this weekend, uh, Stephen Leach, man. It was, it was tough, tough conditions. Um, really good anglers. We had 18 total boats. It was a two-day tournament, a Saturday and Sunday event. It was a five-fish uh, limit on Saturday and a three-fish limit on Sunday, and it ended at 1 o'clock on Sunday and ended at 3 on Saturday. Um, that was Mother's Day. Mother's Day, yeah, we did that. So we well, we got to thank them women, yeah, huh? Yeah, we got to thank those women, man. I'll tell you what, we are uh, able to enjoy the things we do because of them, I can tell you. So on Saturday, uh, you had first place. You had Bo and Adam with 14.65 pounds. If I'm not mistaken, that, that sack came out of the spillway. Oh. You had Mr. Jeff McMorris and Bo Fitch come in second with 13.90 pounds. Yeah, Bo. Um, third, you had Shane and Ruben with 12.70 pounds. Fourth place right here, homegrown. Jude Doty. Louisiana. Jude Doty and Mark Sylvester with 10.92 pounds. And fifth place, Thomas McChrystal and Danny Oakland with 10.82 pounds. But those fourth and fifth place teams, Westside Bassmasters, very own. They represent Westside Bassmasters. Sure. With the big bass, Mr. John Scavona with a five. Nice, nice big bass. Mm -hmm. All right, like I said, the Sunday results was a three-fish uh, limit. You came in at 1 o'clock. First place, you had Dominic and Edward. Go ahead, Dominic. Yeah, we, got, we owe you a beer, man. That's old Mississippi with 10.96 pounds with a big bass of 4.21. I think they went in the spillway as well. Uh there he is. There he is. Very own Chad Porto, 8.10 pounds for second place. There they are again. Westside Bass Masters representing out of Bayou Sorrel, Louisiana. Jude, Jude Doty and Marshall Buster. Fourth place was my good buddy Tony Granier and his partner Daryl. In fifth place, again, Thomas McChrystal and Danny Oakland with 7.01 pounds. Your two-day total champion was Dominique, a.k.a. Mississippi, and Edward with a total of 21 pounds, 0.72. Nothing wrong with them sacks. No, that's some good bags there. I tell you what, some heck of a fisherman. Uh, all these fishermen that we mentioned here are all good fishermen. If you... Keep up with the tournament bass fishing in South Louisiana. Yeah. These all these names. Them are names are repeat. That is correct. I've been seeing that. You know, uh, and like I said, they did have another tournament out at the Wyron Saturday, and I don't have any official report, but I heard that first place was twenty-two pounds out of that, 
And I do know, uh, I think second place might have been 18 or 19. A one day? Yes, that's a one day, yes. I, it's not official. Don't. That's not official. I wasn't able to get the weights for that, but that's unofficial weights that I'm that I'm hearing. That's impressive. You know, and it's true. Also, you know, uh, last week uh, we did have uh, May 11th through the 14th. You had the Bassmasters on Lay Lake in Shelby County, Alabama, which is I I want to say it's a part of the Kusu River. You know, they. Uh, Big fish are caught on that Kusu River. It's known for the spotted bass, but also big, 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 you know, large amounts. A lot of familiar names yeah, on that yeah, list. Yeah, a lot of familiar names. And we just gonna really talk about the Louisiana anglers that competed in that. Um, but we do want to give a big congrats to Mr. Will Davis Jr. on his first elite win with a four-day total of 62 pounds, 12 ounces. Uh, Never led the tournament the whole time. Uh, Brandon Palnick led the, the first three days, and he came in and, and snuck in there on the last day. And, uh, you know. Uh, he figured him out. He, he <laughs> you know, he figured something out on that last day. And, uh, you know, all, it, when we're sitting here talking about it, the only thing that comes to my mind, one of my favorite bass fishermen is Mike Iaconelli. Mm -hmm. And one of his favorite thing is never give up. Yeah. Never give up. You so that know. Pros, you know, proves right there to you. Never give up. So uh, we just want to mention some of the local guys, Louisiana homegrown guys right here that competed in that event. Uh, Ascension Area Angler's very own Logan Latusa uh, was the highest place in angler from Louisiana. The 22nd place picked up some good points there uh, for the angler of the year and probably rookie of the year. Uh, he had a three-day total of 36 pounds, 11 ounces. Uh, and you like that? Like I say, that's right out of Gonzales, he, he's Louisiana. He's coming out of that big yeah. win in the Bassmaster that's Series. That's right. That's right. Well, this same day was like the first tournament of the year. Yeah, he came uh, top 10. So, yeah. he, you know, did, did well. Uh, Tyler Rivette, right down there from, uh, I think Tyler's down there from Lockport area. Mm. Uh 29th place with a three-day total of 32 pounds, 10 ounces. Um, Caleb Summerall right there from uh, out of, just outside of Lafayette. 41st place with a three-day total of 32 pounds, 2 ounces. Derek Hudnall right here, Baton Rouge's very own. 49th place with a three-day total of 27 pounds, 2 ounces. Uh, Keith Pochet now hails out of Alabama, but he is homegrown, homegrown Louisiana. Louisiana from Natchitoches, Louisiana, yeah, 68th place, two-day total of 18 pounds, 15 ounces. Them boys making a showing now. now. And then uh, Greg Hackney, you know, Greg's not originally from Louisiana, but he does now live in Gonzales, and he was 77th place with a two-day total of 18 pounds, two ounces. Um, you know, it's, it's public knowledge, but uh, so I want to say top 50 guys. So anybody in the top 50, I want outside the top, I don't remember what it was, but all those guys that I mentioned that were in the top 50, Logan through Derek, all got about $10,000 for that. For, you know, they cut a check for that. Keith, uh, 
and Greg, I think they got $2,500. So uh, all of them were in the money. Uh, I think that 77th place was the last page place that they played, paid. So uh, it was a busy week in the bass fishing world. And like you said, we're going to try to get give busier. You, that's right. We're going to try to. We're going to be updating y'all, boy, every time, every time. What we got coming up, y'all? Coming up this week, you know, of course, we got all these weekend tournaments this weekend. But, uh, you know, during the week, I'm sorry, you know, we got the Tuesday night tournaments tonight, the Wednesday night tournaments tomorrow, and we'll have all those updates for you next week on who won. We, I'd like to ask all you tournament directors to please get me a Rob that information so we can have it for the next week. Uh, you know, we do have the Friday night tournaments yeah, coming Yeah, we're going to promote y'all's tournaments, man. Definitely. Um, also, this weekend, you have the Fishers of Men tournament out of the Wyrons. Um, I fish either side should be a good turnout. I want probably that's, that seventy to hundred men, Louisiana South. Fishers of men, Louisiana South. That is correct. Malcolm Smith tournament Malcolm direction Smith. does a heck of a job. Um, so that'll probably be a pretty good feel, you know. Uh, if he gets the boats, I want to say it's a ten thousand dollar payout. I could be wrong on that, but. Uh, I think he's he's trying to trying to make that happen, and then uh, of course you got the the, the Wyrons team circuit this weekend put on by Cajun Outboards and Larry and the Wyrons Landing. Uh, that's a five thousand dollar payout uh, this Sunday. So big busy weekend, some big tournaments this weekend. Let's hope and, the weather cooperates. Bob. Yeah, it's, I tell you what, man, it's been hot. That's been hot, but that that don't matter to me. It's this damn the wind for me. Yeah, and it, it tell you what it makes for the fishing tough. Yeah, you know you, you all wind is your friend. They always say. That's but, right. Uh, you know it it's been hot and the fishing's been been crazy. Uh, spillway coming up still. Spillway coming up still. I mean they got some guys that's catching them in the spillway, but uh, in the Lake Verret area it's tough. Uh, you know the fish are. You and fall between and like uh, well we in postpone right now. You in the postpone, uh, kind of working the way into the you know the shad are starting to spawn. So you know you maybe can catch that shad spawn in the morning time, and feel you a quick limit and oh. and work on upgrading. Um, but I tell you, man, it's it's been really tough. Yeah, I'm I'm ready, man. I'm fired up. I'm ready. I think I'm gonna go fishing with you tomorrow. Yeah, we're gonna try we're to gonna do go a little scout, scout tomorrow, tomorrow. Back of Jack Miller, or something. That's the that's the plan. I'm about to get tragic. I'm gonna get that what tragic was smoking them all. Smoking them What uh team ice chest? What <laughs> team Ziploc? <laughs> <laughs> like Lucas said. Yeah, team Ziploc. But uh, are we gonna do a technique this week? Are we gonna talk about a technique? Or? Ah, well, I didn't really have a specific technique, but I mean, you're talking about for like the, the end where, where, where I'm at right now? Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about what you've been doing. What I've been doing this week to advance my fishing skills. And it's the same thing I did last week. And I was practicing in the backyard. And I'm practicing flipping. And I'm practicing roll casting. Backhand, overhand, underhand, left hand, right hand, both sides, Bob. I'm doing everything. And I, I get at least 30 minutes a day out there with it. And look, I can tell that my muscles are starting to develop, the fast twitch muscles. They're starting to develop. And 
I need to get I need to go in the water and see if I can start. It, I tell you spikes. what, people don't believe this, but there's a such thing as being in fishing shape. That's right. You know, um, that's exactly right. Driveway fishing is the best thing I that's can tell best. you to do, and, and you know, because you can do it every day. Yep. Get you a little platform where you can kind of get off the Just ground. Just a little ice it. chest. Stand you don't on need top much. It. Step on. Step no. on top of it and practice and practice. That's the only way you're gonna get That's better. That's the only way. And I didn't I didn't realize it until you drilled it in my head. Get on that platform and start practicing. And I have been doing that with all. Well, look, I only got three rods. I'm starting out slow. That's all. I, I got a frog. I got a worm, and I got a chatterbait. And I've been taking all three rods and doing all series with them. Flip, left right hand, roll left right hand backhand roll left right hand and i can tell you i'm getting much better just for and a couple of weeks and that's what it takes man i can i can't tell you how many times i would put my boat in the water at at the jack at the by the jail by the jail over there at the sheriff it'll be a parish and don't even start an engine never crank the big motor put the troll motor down yeah. and get busy that's right. And you don't I, even worry about catching And fish. you know what I would do? I would leave every rod. And this is how I got so good at flipping. I would leave every other rod at the house. I'd have flipping sticks only where I forced myself to do that. Then I would go with a spinnerbait. I'd go with another type, you know, technique and master that technique. And that's the only way you're going to get better is practice. There's Keep so many on. nuances. Oh, yes. To, yes. to, to casting. And, and you got to figure out what works best for you and the technique that works for you and the, the way you flip your wrist and the way you hold your elbow into your side like that. We could do, I mean, I could do videos. I'm going to take the GoPro maybe next week and do some instructional videos. For you new guys like me, and look, I'm a experienced, lifelong fisherman, but bass fishing to, it's, it's new to me. Right. It's, it's, it's a total different ball game. And look... You talk about the different casts, and you know, there's a thousand different ways you can cast and all that. But one day, I, I was in Big Pigeon, me and a buddy of mine, we were fishing, and Lucas, I mean, and uh, Logan Latusa was in there. I was wanting you to tell that story when you and, said his uh, name earlier. Well, Logan was in there, and he had his girlfriend with him, and they were just fun fishing. We were fishing a tournament. Logan said, Man, what y'all doing? We said, Man, we're trying to catch some fish. And he said, I said, we ain't been doing too good. He said, man, I've been catching them on this crankbait. And Logan, dude, I don't know what kind of cast it was, but he did some kind so of. It happened so fast. It happened so fast. And he said, man, this is the crankbait you need. And he, and he did some kind of flip and a loop, and that and thing just like, landed so soft on the deck. And I was like, I got to learn that. Got to learn I was that. like, that was the baddest-ass thing I ever seen in my life. Just like landing on a pillow. It, it, I'm telling you, it landed so soft. That's but how you get good. That's how that, you catch fish. And that's probably why he's on the back. That's, 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 that's exactly why. You know, uh, I, I bet he did a lot of driveway fishing. I bet you he did. You know, uh, so, well, we appreciate everybody listening in, and uh, we're going to wrap up our podcast for the day. And, man, we just sure want to thank Lucas Ragusa and the Coalition for everything they're doing. We encourage everyone to join the Coalition. $49 a year. And, uh, man, it, it, I tell you, that guy's passion. Absolutely, Bob. Well, y'all take care. We'll see y'all next week. See you next week.